0: Hello and welcome to the Slidebean Startups 101 podcast. A podcast about what it's like to start a business. My name is Kaya, I am the CEO at Slidebean and your host for today. 2020 caught most of us off guard. A seemingly booming economy now seems to be headed towards a recession, which will inevitably leave a lot of people unemployed across many industries. More importantly, 2020 is likely to represent one of the most essential resets the economy will go through. Suddenly, online shopping is the only way to shop rather than a compliment to brick and mortar. Suddenly, working from home is the norm rather than a nice to have. Likely, these changes. In the dynamics of how people interact and spend money will have echoes for months and years to come. Some industries may completely disappear and others will be forced to reinvent themselves. This instability, this chaos, is a ladder for witty entrepreneurs to find opportunities to create or evolve their business and monetize this revolution. Thousands of jobs will be affected or disappear completely, and the world will need us to develop new ones. Alright, so we've created a bunch of content around starting a business, most importantly our Udemy course, which we released for free. Much of it, especially around incorporation and founder agreements, still applies today, regardless of the circumstances. Now, For this video, we're going to focus on how approaching a new business is different these days and how to navigate the murky waters of the 2020 economy. Understanding what kind of business you have. We have to learn to draw a line between the types of businesses that we have and the different routes for each one of them. On the one hand, we have the fast-scale, usually tech-related business that we read about in TechCrunch and Mashable. These are capital-intensive businesses that carry a lot of risks with the opportunity for massive reward. Those are companies like Airbnb or Stripe and Square, all of which, by the way, got started during the last financial crisis in 2009. This is the kind of business that has a chance to raise investor capital at a very very early stage and to continue funding their fast growth with new rounds of funding. While the term is not precisely accurate, I'm gonna call them tech startups for the purpose of this video. On the other hand, we have traditional, or less scalable companies. That includes everything from a restaurant, to a consulting firm, and marketing agencies, all the way even to online stores. These businesses can't scale the way a tech startup can. They usually require a proportional amount of team members to scale their revenue. And don't get me wrong, some fantastic companies like Starbucks started this way. They just don't have access to the same type of capital that a tech startup can get at the early stage. Again, for the purpose of this video, we're going to call them traditional businesses, even though the term might not be entirely appropriate either. Both types of companies can raise investor capital if needed, but the way they approach their funding is entirely different, and we'll get back to this soon. Getting started. Regardless of what type of business you have, You'll need to get started on your own. Most companies, even high-scale startups, raise capital by the time they have something to show. So you should never assume that money will come first. A team and a proof of concept should always come first. Let's talk about that proof of concept. How do you prove this idea you have is worth something? How do you find out if customers are going to buy it without having to build it first? One wrong way to approach this is asking your friends and family, because their judgment is always going to be skewed. You're gonna need to ask strangers. In today's world, and even more in today's socially distanced economy, it's likely your business will require an online presence. Few exceptions, like, I don't know, a gas station or a local deli, are probably excluded from the online presence. But for the rest of us, You will need to position yourself online eventually. You probably don't need a developer to build that first MVP, that's minimum viable product. The first concept should be as simple as an explainer video, a fake sign up button, a newsletter subscription, or even a Facebook or Instagram page. Anything that gives you information on the potential performance of your business is a step in the right direction. The cheaper, And the faster you can do these experiments, the better. I'm talking days here, not weeks. You just need to find out if people want what you're selling, but the product itself doesn't need to be ready. I've seen founders spend thousands of dollars on a prototype without testing a simple web page, just to find out if people are willing to sign up or to click that buy button. We have a beta product called Slidebean Sites that lets anybody build a simple landing page Taking advantage of our templates and our artificial intelligence design. Just like that, we're figuring out if people are interested in using this product. Other fantastic platforms, for websites, are platforms like Shopify or Squarespace, and neither of them will require you to hire anybody. That's really important. Just put the site out there, get some traffic to it, maybe social media or ads, again, neither of which requires you to hire anybody, and then measure what happens. This approach to starting a business is called The Lean Startup. That's a fantastic book that every single entrepreneur should read. Let's talk about the team now. To me, the rule here is that the founding team should have the skill set to make the first $100,000 in revenue, or to get the first 100,000 users into the platform. Think about it. If you don't have the skills required to get to that mark, and you need to hire somebody that fulfills those skills, then those people shouldn't be your employees. They should be your co-founders. Think about that validation test that we talked about before. If you simply can't figure out how to build that first site, or to drive that first few visits to your page, then it's evident that you need somebody else in the team. I'd be surprised if you can't solve it on our Slidebean sites, because it's just too easy. But remember, that's just the first step of many. If you lack one of these needed skills, then you can't build a company, period. This idea that you have is worthless unless you can execute it. I think the most common mistake founders make is approaching potential co-founders like their hires. I'm inviting you to be a part of this idea that I came up with. My idea. That's the wrong approach. The approach should be, I have a few ideas to start a company. I'm great in these areas, but I need someone who's great in these other areas. Let's chat and see if we can come up with something. See the difference? You're not hiring them. You're not standing above them. It's not your company. It's our company. You both need each other, and therefore, you have an equal say. When I got together with my co-founders, we all brought a bunch of different ideas to the table. We only committed to the one that excited us all, and most importantly, the one where we all had an expertise to build a better product than whatever was out there. Next Steps Notice how I haven't gone into the legal aspects of starting a business. We have a video on that. We also have a video on founder agreements and how to negotiate stock, salaries, and decisions between co-founders. These might come sooner or later, but inevitably, the next step in this process is going to be more validation. This first test that we already talked about should have a goal something along the lines of percentage of people who pressed the fake buy button or the number of leads that you generated. And if that works, it's time to bring it to the next level. Try closing your first sale if you can, even if a lot of the work needs to be done manually, or try getting letters of intent. For tech startups, That next step might require a very basic product, a beta version. Once again, your founding team should be able to build it and get a few hundred users in it. If you can't solve that, then you're missing a person in your co-founding team. Other fantastic ways to validate if a product is worth anything is on platforms like Kickstarter. I funded and launched my first company as a Kickstarter project. We made a simple video explaining how this really cool game worked, when in reality we hadn't written a single line of code. We used Kickstarter to understand if people would buy into it. And they did. We doubled the goal, raised the money we needed to develop it, but most importantly, figured out if the product makes sense to our potential customers without having to build it first. Is it possible to raise capital in a financial crisis? Let's go back to the tech startup versus traditional business case. Each company should approach different investors for different reasons. Say, a chef wants to start a restaurant. Establishing a restaurant costs tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. In an ideal scenario, the chef should have some track record, should have some market research about the location, and should ideally be bringing a small portion of the capital that's needed. The chef needs a partner-slash-investor to finance the opening of the location. That investor is likely going to be an equal partner. First, because the business cannot exist without his or her contribution, and second, because of ROI. Say the investor brings in $100,000 to establish the location and to fund a few months of operations. They agree on splitting the business 50-50. How is the investor going to make his or her money back? In case of a restaurant, it's likely going to be through dividends. The restaurant might lose money the first year, but, say, the second year, it generates a million dollars in revenues. Revenue is great, but investor only gets an ROI from profits. And then, profits for this sort of operation might be, say, $100,000, so 10%. After taxes, and splitting that by half, the way they've split the company shares, each one of them might get around $40,000. That's, in case of the investor, 40% of their original investment. That means it's going to take 3 years for the investor to recover his original investment. It's only after year 4 that the investor will collect any actual earnings from their investment. And all through that process, the money is at risk. The restaurant could go out of business. That's why, in traditional businesses, investors come in for a much more significant stake in the company. On tech startups, there is more risk involved. But at the same time, more reward. The first investors in Airbnb invested $600,000 for a 10 to 15% stake in the business. The difference is, Airbnb is now worth billions of dollars. Their investment was multiplied by more than 100 times. Airbnb will likely potentially go public, and when they sell their shares, they'll get their money back. Few traditional businesses like restaurants or consulting firms can grow this fast. On the other hand, most tech startups aim for that kind of accelerated growth. So a financial crisis affects both kinds of businesses, but I'm still confident deals will continue to flow. Investors and venture funds are likely going to be more strict and more careful about their investments. They are likely going to require more validation and more traction before they invest. Valuations might be lower, but deals will continue to happen. According to Tom Tongas, uh, venture capital at Redpoint Ventures, who has a fantastic blog on startup funding, the number of seed and series A rounds deals that happened during the last financial crisis was not reduced compared to the previous months. That's actually very encouraging news. Remember, many of these funds have already raised their capital and already have cash ready to deploy, regardless of the state of the market. That being said, the question of the impact of the market in the business is not to be taken lightly your business should be ready to navigate this uncertain market, or even better, prove that you have adapted your company to thrive in the current conditions. Other tools when starting a business Here are some free, or extremely cheap, resources I recommend checking and using as you begin this entrepreneurial journey. First, our Startup Cafe. We have a free Discord server with hundreds of members. Every single one of them is an entrepreneur. We do live Q&As the moment each one of these videos goes live on YouTube. So I'll be hanging out there. We have a free financial model template and tutorial, which you can download here. It's a fantastic tool to calculate how big your business can be and how much money you're going to need to get there. If you need an investor deck, we have hundreds of templates available. Our team is also available to assist you in writing or designing your investor deck. Just check out slidebean.com. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we did. Remember to turn on your notifications for our podcast. You can also follow us on slidebean.com slash podcasts. See you next week.